You're listening to the Driving Confidence Podcast for drivers who want to be calm and confident on the road. We will be sharing tips, stories and advice to beat driving nerves and anxiety and build your driving confidence. Whether you are just starting out as a learner or have had your driving license for years, if you want to transform how you feel about driving, this podcast is for you. today's episode, we're joined by Alison Blackler, who is a mind coach and author from Two Minds. And Alison's also got her own podcast called Mental Wealth. So welcome, Alison. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. It's an absolute pleasure. Brilliant. So Alison, first thing I, I always like to ask people is, what is driving anxiety mean to you? What's that mean to me? Good question. I think... <laughs> It's for me, it means that somebody has probably put a greater importance or a bigger, they made it into a much bigger thing than the, than the actual driving. Because quite often people talk, don't they, about the actual driving bit is actually once you've got the mirror signal over and you've got everything sorted, it's actually, it's sort of okay, isn't it? It's sort of fairly straightforward. But the anxiety bit is the bit I think people just learned on the top. Probably rightly so to start with. There might be a trigger. There might be a reason why. But I think they then make it, like a lot of people do about a lot of things, a million times worse than it actually needs to be. Because how often do you hear someone say, there's wrong or nervous about something. I went and did it. I pushed myself or I got the right support. And then it was okay. And yeah. I think, we do that for so many things, don't we? And I think driving is up there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Definitely. <laughs> and, you know, hearing you talk there made me think very much about driving test anxiety and driving test nerves, because that's exactly what we hear all the time. Yeah, yeah and but- probably the way that you say it as well was someone said, do you know what, I just went and did it and it wasn't as bad as I thought. The examiner was quite human. Because the brain, because the human brain, I mean, obviously I specialise in the human brain, and the human brain joins up the gaps, makes up things, no, you know, if you're not careful, especially if your limbic system, which is your emotional, the anxiety bit of your brain, if that's running the show, it will be catastrophizing. It'll make something feel a million times worse. So you're not just managing then your physical feelings. You're actually then trying to manage your big piece of kit, which is telling you all sorts of things that may or may not be true. Yeah, I like that way that you describe your brain as being a bit of kit because... <laughs> That's what it is, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's the toolkit that's running the show. Yeah, and it's and it can be your greatest asset because the human brain is amazing, but it can also be your worst enemy. And I think for people to understand that, that's why that's why I look around shows like this because I think if we can help ourselves understand a bit more about this piece of kit, so give ourselves a little manual then you've got a greater chance of being able to have a better experience with whatever it is that you're trying to do. So if you're trying to pass your driving test or just trying to get into a lesson, even before, never mind the driving test. But I think that sort of making it worse is is definitely a thing that humans do. Yeah, well, we're always, I, I guess it's part of keeping us safe, isn't it? We're always on the lookout for that worst case scenario because if we can be prepared for that, then, you know, we're okay, we're going to survive. But it's not always helpful because these thoughts are not facts. It's, it's often far removed from the truth, isn't it? Yeah. 
I, mean, I think it is right to say that it is normal for us to have those responses and, and we wouldn't survive. I mean, our ancestors would not have survived if they hadn't had this emotional response to this danger, to the cyber-toothed tiger or whatever, to fight it, to run away or to freeze and hope that it ate you and not me. You know, mate, we had to have yeah. that. But we've moved on as humans since those days when we were all crawling around in the jungle. But this emotional response is the same. So that emotional response can be triggered from thinking that your friend's done better than you or uh, worrying about whether the instructor, like you said, is, is nice or the... The examiner, thank you, what's the word there? The examiner <laughs> making up that they are the, the scale of the minster that's busting through your door. If you think that, then your brain will be putting you into that same res- response that is kind of keeps us alive and keeps us safe. And for me, it's that relationship we have with that that, that is critical to make it a better experience. Because we all love making stories up, don't we? Totally. We- We'd love having a story, don't we? So how could, if I'm making this story up about driving and driving's going to be the worst thing ever and I'll never be able to do it, what can we do that could help us plan for that? So I think we can think about stories in in like transferring stories. So when we can transfer a story to a different thing, because the subconscious mind, which is what we're talking about here, doesn't know the difference between something that you have done, something that you haven't done. So if you are good at doing something, so most people are good at doing something, whatever that might be. So we will tell yourself stories, I'm good at that, I can do that well. Tying shoelaces, for example. Most people, unless you're very young, are good at that. And in your brain, you can then make a connection to say, well, I'm good at that, so I'll just talk about that. And I can say, well, if I've learned how to do that, I'll be able to learn how to do this. And we've got to be careful of the stories that we add into something new. But I think the other thing is absolutely right to say that if it's new, then you haven't got a reference. We haven't got something in our mind. So then the mind might make up a lot of stories or start to add. Or the other thing that we do is we start to tell other people's stories. And then that doesn't help you either. So for me, it's about looking at something that you know you're good at. And then looking at how you do that, how do you think about that thing that you're good at? What kind? Are you kind to yourself about it? Are you encouraging? Are you, could you be your own cheerleader? And you will be. So how do we then say, okay, here's a new thing, driving. How do we then start to tell our mind? Because it doesn't know the difference between something that you have done or you are imagining that you've done it. So I think we can create the stories, but link it, if you can, to something that you know you're already good at. I like that. Yeah. I do. I like that. Yeah, that makes sense. And we're big fans of using that type of imagery as well because it can be used in so many ways. So it's so useful when it's used positively because we're all really good at using those things negatively. So let's switch (laughs) them around and use them to our advantage instead of our disadvantage. Mm. I mean, it almost seems a no-brainer. Why why do, you know, why do we ask? do that thing where we are super negative. Yes, we know that we are risk averse, so we can often be being overcautious about things. And I would imagine in driving that can be good to be a bit cautious, but also very disabling if you're too cautious, because that in itself can be quite dangerous. I would 
I'm only imagining, but I think it would be. You could tell me otherwise. It's a long time since I did my driving test. But I think I think just being able to to, to not be so hard on yourself, you know, to be kind of a bit more uh, positive around those small things. You'll hear me on anything I talk about, you know, is what's the one small thing that you can take from this? Or what's the one small thing that went well today? Or what's the one small thing that went well on my driving test or my driving lesson? Because I will be stuff, but guess what? Home and in, on, the, on the humans, we're home and I'm the only thing that didn't go so well. And then talk about that and think about that and drive ourselves mad. So, you know, I would imagine in a, in a driving lesson, there might be something that was a bit harder, but there were 50%, 70% that went really, really well. What is it in humans? Why do we do that? We have to make ourselves kind of almost talk about the things that have gone well to shift our attention because it will be dragging us back to that, well, that wasn't good enough. And then obviously we've all got our layers of what we've heard when we were younger and how we are processing. We've got all that to deal with as well. Yeah. Oh, I could talk for hours about that. I could talk for hours, but I'm, yeah, I'm waiting for the moment. <laughs> so how does it affect someone that's had the experience then? Because the people that tend to reach out to us for help, have had the experience of driving but are now all of a sudden for no apparent reason they have a fear of driving or they have a fear of motorways motorway seems to be a popular one i mentioned that one so what's happened there because there's nothing really bad's happened but what what's happened to someone that now has that fear so phobias because that's almost a phobia isn't it can start from hardly anything but it's where we've paid attention to something and make that become the truth. So sometimes people will have something very small that's happened and then suddenly it's a big deal. So they have a little incident in a lift or not even an incident lift, but they've suddenly decided that a lift, for example, something's going to happen. But actually what's quite interesting is we're often not fearful of the thing that we're fearful. We're fearful of what's not happening. So we often, we're not actually scared of the driving. We're scared that something's going to happen and I think that's where people get very lost. So I was working with somebody just the other week, yeah, last week, and she has, she says she's got a fear of flying, but she hasn't got a fear of flying, has she? She's got a fear of something happening. She's got yes. a fear of being out of control. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people's phobias come from, is that they fear that they are not in control. And I guess with driving, you know, we all can drive the car probably really well. It's everyone else, isn't it? that people then become very worried about everyone else and that's out of your control. And as a hum- as humans, we like to be in control. So I wonder for some of those people, whether they've just suddenly, something's changed in their life, they've suddenly got that realisation of other people or, you know, again, very experienced drivers. I've had people myself who've just suddenly decided that driving on the motorway or driving in the dark has just become too difficult. But I think mm. for me, it's about how they've dealt with that. Because if you respect the fact that that's happened and then work with yourself kindly, you've got more of a chance of helping yourself. What most people do is get really cross and angry with themselves, start to get very upset, start to then, it's then starts to affect more of their life. So now I can't go places because I can't go on the motorway or I can't go over a bridge. So I can't go to that person's house or I now can't do that. So then it starts to affect more of their life. And I think that's when it starts, when they've moved it into this massive thing 
And I'm still respecting the fact that they're nervous, by the way, because that's the way the human brain is. But we then end up it affecting us more, so it becomes a bigger thing. So then they talk about it more. And then suddenly it's like it's took over. And that really becomes the, the phobia or the fear, isn't it? Is that they're now, it's the way that they're thinking about it, the way they're talking about it, the way that it's impacting on their life. Because if there's lots of things that we all don't like to do, but if it doesn't affect your life, then you probably just let it go. You know, I know I don't want to bungee jump. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Yeah, I knew that. I'm happy about that. I don't need to try and make myself do it. I don't want to do it. So I made a strong decision about that, and I'm okay with that. But I think when it's something like you've been driving, and if you are a driver and you've, you know, always just got in the car, and then suddenly you can't for whatever reason, and then you make it, it affects more of your life. I think that's where people start to get really down on themselves and then build it into this enormous thing that then is more difficult to to manage. But obviously, we've got you to reach out to. So, yeah. I just, I just, I'm going to be totally random here. Mm. I'm totally random. I know there's a fear of spiders, fear of bridges. and Is there an actual word for a fear of driving? I don't know. Yeah. No. Probably will be, yes. Yeah. Oh, Tracy knows. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, I believe it's venophobia. I'm going to jump in quickly here to correct that. It's actually veophobia, or there is another word that I hadn't heard of, which is amoxophobia. I mean, that's that's, that's testing me, but yes, there is definitely a word for it, and that's and I'm I'm not always the best at remembering the right words. So yes, no, there is there is actually there will be. I mean, there's a bit of everything, isn't there? There's a word for yeah. Don't even ask me where that came from. It was just like, <laughs> this is a bit random. Talk but about putting us all on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't know the answer to that, so. <laughs> Sorry. I sometimes do that sometimes. I just have this random thought and it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the podcast. Yeah. You've answered my question. I'm wondering if it's worth talking a little bit more about reinforcement and associations. Because I think a lot of what we've just been chatting around, those are the words that keep popping up in my head that I'm jotting down when you're talking. So yeah. can we talk a little bit more about how that works, how that might play out? Yes. So I think association, I think the first thing to say is that the human brain is an association-making machine. So everything that we're seeing, talking about, hearing, feeling, tasting and smelling is connected to our five senses, but it's like everything that comes into our five senses, I always think of it as like a, a great big, huge filing cabinet full of everything that you've ever smelt, tasted, seen, heard, etc. And it's just there. And these little little minions have to go and look at me for what does this mean right now for me? Yeah. Because remember, it's, it's trying to make you safe. So what does this mean right now? So people see things, hear things, and there's a sometimes a panic but uh, I've got to get my association. So I think it's fair to say that that is what's happening. It's how you can use that to help yourself. I think it's the critical part. You can use that piece of kit because yes, it's there for just in case. So if you have had something, it's right that your mind says, you know, we would still all be burning our hands on the fire if we didn't have that childhood. Don't touch the fire. Don't touch the fire. And eventually, you know, you touch it, don't you? And you don't ever touch it again. Or you know yeah. to respect it. I'm just going to jump in here to let you know about our Drive Calm journal. 
we've created a 12-week prompt journal to support our listeners to take action and improve driving confidence. The journal includes questions, prompts and exercises to create an action plan and an opportunity for reflection afterwards. Search Drive Calm on Amazon to take a look. We hope it helps. You know what, you just made me think about that as children because we learn so much, don't we, from our childhoods. We learn through getting it wrong. We learn from our caregivers. They're telling us all the time, this, don't do this, don't do that. And I wonder with driving, because obviously as children, we don't have that experience, do we? We we just get in cars, don't we, as children? Yeah. And you just made me think, and I'm not, I've got no legs particularly about this, but as we're saying random things, I'm just going to share it. (laughs) I do wonder, some people who do get very anxious about driving, I wonder if they, they might not know, because we don't have a conscious thought about everything. It's just, but it is stored in there. Whether there is any link to how their parents or their their adults drove, or how they thought about driving, so it isn't a like you know you'll hear people say, "Oh my, my, my mum was quite an anxious driver," or "My yeah," that makes sense because we yeah. do copy so much as children. But I wonder whether there is any link for some people with that unconscious, just being in a car, not not particularly aware of how the driver was doing but actually the driver themselves was unsure, a bit nervous, had an incident, you know, not yeah. necessarily with a kid in the car. So you wonder, don't you, whether there were, if there was a correlation between that, which they don't remember, you know, they don't have any memory of, but there's something that the, car, the mind's remembering. Yeah, I would imagine, yes, because certainly... There are, there's a high percentage of the people that we talk to who, like you say, they know, they remember, they say, you know, my my family history of driving is X, Y, Z. And that's something we hear quite a lot. And it's something that people will freely say right at the very beginning. It's not something we have to dig very hard for. So, yes, I wouldn't mind betting that there's some unconscious... Yeah, I think it's like anything, isn't it? If you know, if someone when I used to do a lot of burglaries, if someone came to me and said, "I've got a story flying," and it's because I was in a huge turbulent thing and la la la, so they've got a story. But then there's other people who don't have that story. It just yeah. happened one day. They just suddenly had that connection with something, and there's so much that we pick up from other people. So much. That we just never really know, you know. Again, I, I suppose I'm likening it because my dad was a very confident driver, and I'd say my mum probably wasn't as much. And um, I definitely drive like my dad yeah. because I think he taught me to drive, and it was like you 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 be assertive, you get on with it, and that's it. And yes, he taught me, so that's where I've learned it from. But there's but there's still something in that sort of coding, isn't there, about what was expected? And I wonder with the association whether some people just don't remember but they have got something that their mind has connected with. But then the other thing about the brain, of course, is it can make associations that are incorrect. Yeah. Or it's part of the coding. So I think the best example of this is when we were all learning to read out at school, it was quite terrifying. We were learning, but we didn't want to look silly in front of our friends. We didn't want anyone to laugh at us. We didn't want to be ridiculed. So we worried a lot about that. So that was our childhood experience. Fast track now to adult life and somebody says to you at work, or oh, could you just do a presentation? And everyone goes, Ugh. and it takes them back to as if they were about six. 
when they were moving out at school and the fear of humiliation and the fear. And I I can remember trying to work out which paragraph would be nine and trying to rehearse it. But I couldn't because my friends were reading their bit and I wasn't clever enough to, at that, you know, that age to be able to read and have somebody else talking at the same time. But that's a really obvious association that when you say that, most people go, oh, yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. Terrified of speaking out in public because we all had that experience in school. So the association with driving cars, I mean, let's, you know, they are quite terrifying in a way, aren't they? Uh, and definitely other drivers are definitely terrifying. But I wonder about that, that sort of level of control and what your experience has been like. When I'm training people to drive, it's quite interesting. When you ask them who's a good driver, who's not a good driver, dad's potentially not a good driver because he's Mm -hmm. too fast and mum is a safe driver because she's slow. What would you like to drive like is the question. And they said, well, sometimes my dad, sometimes my mum. And it's quite interesting having those conversations because it is like they've never driven before, but the association with driving and they can grab little bits of their experiences, can't they? And this is where that comes in. The association with driving is that form is quite good in some ways, but that forms better in others. So being able to do that and grab that experience and take out what they want is is almost a skill, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, being able to choose, because it is a choice. So you should be able to choose. It is a choice in a lot of ways. You can choose how you're going to react and how you're going to behave and what information you're going to choose to take on on board and what you're going to choose to do about it. Yeah. Definitely. I think the other thing that's popping up for me, just when you're talking about, you know, uh, the mum and dad kind of differences, et cetera, you know, I think that's almost everything, isn't it, that you've managed to understand as a as a young teenager. You've, you've got a bit of everything, bit of dad, bit of mum, whatever that might be, good and bad and indifferent. And it, that's navigating that, isn't it? So even if it's happening while you're literally learning to drive, it's like, gosh, I don't know which one to be. In a way, we're doing that all the time. With you know, you'll sometimes hear people say, "Gosh, I sound like my dad," or "Oh, gosh, I sound like my mum," or "I'm being like this." And actually, we're almost sort of trying to navigate that through life. Never mind just through driving. Of which bits of dad do you want to keep on, and which bits do you want to ditch, uh, and vice versa. So, you know, that's part of my personal journey. Is I definitely wanted to let go of some of the things that I'd been shown how to do because I didn't. It wasn't the way I wanted to do it. I think it's a really interesting question just for somebody to ask them, you know, what what kind of a driver do you want to be? You know, do you, which where do you want to be? Yeah, I wish there was more people who asked themselves that question out there in the definitely and if somebody's an anxious driver to maybe ask themselves the question of what would it look like if I wasn't an anxious driver? What would I look like to be a I was going to say normal, but I'm not sure that's quite the right word. It, to be an average driver. Safe. Safe, safe driver, yes. Yeah, see, the driving instructor is always going to say safe, yeah. In control. In control, As lovely. we've mentioned that already. Yeah. Just link that. But yes. that, that's the sort of thing, isn't it? It's, it's the words that we're using, isn't it, as but well? So many, so many people are focused on what they don't want. So I don't yeah. want to be worried. I don't want to have a crash. I don't want to this. I don't want to that. And actually, the subconscious mind gets very confused about what you're trying to focus on there. So 
if you are wanting, if you can hear it yourself saying, I don't want to feel stressed, I don't want to be anxious, I don't want to be worried, it's really asking yourself, well, what do you want instead? Because so many people, even though on a logical level, as a, as a human, as an adult, when someone says, I don't want to be stressed, on, a, on one level, everyone's like, oh, yeah, well, of course, that means you want to be relaxed. But subconscious minds, remember, it's all these little minions of like, what do you want us to do? We don't yeah. know. So it focuses on the word that you've used. So here yeah. is, be stressed. Stressed. Be anxious. Yeah. Be worried. Be nervous. And then, of course, that triggers all the physical symptoms to which, um, you know, I know you've talked about on other shows. And, you know, it, it confuses the mind. Whereas if you really solidly think about something really simple, safe, calm, relaxed, and just focus on that because you've got other parts of your life where you are that. That's where we were talking about before. Bring that in. So imagine that you're sitting doing the, the hobby that you're really good at or something that you really love and imagine that you're just doing that again. Your mind will allow you to do that. It'll play. You know, I'm a, a big fan of helping us be a bit more playful because the part of the mind that we're talking about here is a bit like a two-year-old child. So we've got to be a bit playful with it and say, okay, I'm not actually sitting in a car. I'm sitting in whatever it is that you love to do. Yeah, great. And being specific with a positive emotion. Yeah. yeah. Because that's going to set your your brain your mind on the right track it's less mm. confusing like you say you're telling yeah. your mind what you want being specific yeah it's, it's, it's almost like modeling isn't it it's modeling that i won't say perfect driver because i don't think there is but what would a good driver drive like and then drive like that driver yeah. you know can you drive like your mum can you drive like your dad but it's exactly that isn't it it's modeling and see what happens see what it feels like it is, but I think it, paying attention to the, the kind of now and what's happening mm. right now is, is actually all that's here. That's the only bit we can actually control is what's mm. happening right now, this very second. Anything else is either gone or hasn't happened yet. And I think just thinking about in that moment, how do I need to be? How would I like to be? And put your attention on that. But I think things like driving or when people are really trying to work with a lot of anxiety, it's that small consistent thing decide what what is it what's your word and i want to be calm i'm calm i'm okay i've got this something really solid because sometimes we kind of end up getting overwhelmed with thinking we need to be something even more sort of the next step if you like you know you can't necessarily choose that we are going to be driving like somebody who's been driving for years it's that's not your goal it's chunking that right down isn't it and just being really mindful and that's the other thing that so many people do if they don't then celebrate when they have got something, when they've done well, they don't get out of the car and say, that was great. And again, Sherman Bray has spent all his childhood hearing feedback for everything, all through school, and every step of the way, feedback, feedback, well done, well done. Even if you coloured in outside the lines, you still got a well done. And then you become old enough to drive, so a young adult and anything older, and no one does that anymore. So we've got to be our own agent and celebrate every step of the way, but all of the things that you have managed to achieve. Because if you don't, your mind's just going to go, oh, well, that obviously isn't any good. And it'll just then autopilot straight into the not good. Yeah. And we do say that a we, lot, we don't we? You're lot always get, we're always saying, how are you going to reward yourself? Break it down into tiny chunks. And then when you've done it, 
reward yourself, celebrate. And it's always alcohol that comes out, or chocolate. On the podcast, it's normally chocolate, <laughs> chocolate but yes, on some of the emails we get, it's, <laughs> it's, it's alcohol. often alcohol. <laughs> it's interesting we talk about rewards and things. You know, one of the things I hear people, so somebody might ask you, so say scenario is somebody's had a driving lesson and then their friend or their family member says, how did it go? The thing that comes out of your mouth at that first point is critical. Because your subconscious mind is earwigging and listening, isn't it? So you need to really have something really strong to say when someone says, how was your driving lesson? It was great. Yep. Or it went really well. Because what you often hear is something not like that. They'll say, you know, yes, it went, but but there was a but. Or there was something that they then come in at. So for me, if anyone's, you know, any real people are listening, it's what is that thing that you're going to say the minute somebody asks you, how was your driving lesson? And maybe you do that anyway, uh, carefully. You make sure they've got the sentence that they're going to say when their friend or their mom says, how was your lesson? Have something really strong because they talk about being that reinforcement. So your man goes, oh, oh, okay, that was good. Oh, okay, well, we can do that again. And that when we get that oxytocin buzz, that dopamine buzz, and we love that feeling. We've got to reinforce that wherever we can. Yeah, brilliant. So what did you achieve and who are you going to tell? Mm. Yeah. So, Alison, when we were first talking about you being a guest on the podcast and we were saying about driving anxiety, was there anything that you thought, oh, I hope they ask me this, or I really want to talk about this. Is there anything we haven't covered that you were keen to get across? I think the only other thing that a lot of people do, a lot of adults do, is they compare themselves to others. And if you're doing that favourably, so if you see somebody that is doing something that you like and admire and you think, do you know what, I'd like to do a bit of that. You're not trying to be them, you're just trying to copy something. So it's a modelling, copy something that they're doing. But I think with success and, and achievement, it's so important, especially something like driving, is be in your own lane. Be happy with where you are. Don't feel like you've got to rush. Take your time. I'm sure, again, you would do that with them, but don't worry if your friend's already passed or you've taken so many times. It doesn't matter because it's, it's, it's how and what you do. That, that matters and it's the efforts that you put in that is so important. So I think that's the only thing really that is so important because we are obsessed with comparing ourselves and it doesn't always serve us. Yeah, definitely. Lovely. And then <laughs> we're going to ask you another question, which is if you can cast your mind back to when you were learning to drive, what did you find the most difficult? Um Interesting question. I'm trying to think. It was quite some time ago. I'd, I'd tell you one thing I'd used to hate, and I don't think they do this anymore, but when they used to, you knew that the emergency stop was coming, but you but you didn't quite know when it was coming, and it was like, oh, I remember that being quite scary, but I don't think they do that anymore, do they? I think that's gone. Yeah, the emergency stops, yeah, yeah. they still Is do that, seven? yeah. Right, okay. <clears throat> My dad trained me really, really well to reverse, and I'm so grateful that he stuck at it because I know getting into car parking spaces is, is something. But you know what? I think that thinking back to, to, to driving, it wasn't driving the car. It was everyone else. 
that's what used to concern me the most. And I think that's probably still true today, having driven for, for how I don't even want to say how long. Um, but I think with the unpredictability of other people, and I think experience comes from watching the road, doesn't it? Looking ahead, being able to guess-ish what, what, what people are going to do next. And of course, yeah. that's... That isn't that one of life's biggest questions. What is everyone else going to do next? We don't, we don't know, do we? So for nothing again, it's a bit like driving in your own lane. Get in your own lane. Stick to that, whatever that is, whether that's you driving or whether that's you in life. And I think from there, you, you've got a chance to have it the way you want it. Oh, Brilliant. Yeah. That's a, that's a nice finish. That yeah, is, that's, that's a lovely nice. note to finish yeah. on. Thank you. Oh, so, welcome. Alison. Where can people find out more about you and listen to your podcast? Mm. So our podcast launched only a little while ago. It's called Mental Wealth, the podcast to invest in your mind. And that's where I'm giving lots of little tips about how to get the best out of you, how to be more confident, uh, how to think about purpose, you know. And, and I'm going to touch on mental health because obviously some of what we're talking about is is a bit deeper than just people's minds worrying about something. So I think we need to respect that. And I've also got my unusual Instagrams and Facebooks and everything like that. Um, and my website is www2-minds.co.uk. And yeah, if anyone hears this and wants to reach out and say hi, that would be amazing. Fantastic. And all of the links for those will be in the show notes so everybody can find them in there. Brilliant. Um, thank you very much, Alison. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Oh, same. Thank you so much yeah. for having me. And obviously, come, you're going to come and be a guest on my show as well sometime soon, aren't you? Exactly. Yeah, fantastic. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Find out about the different ways that you can work with us on our website, www.confidentdrivers.co.uk and begin to transform the way you feel about driving.